Warning, this episode contains foul language and discussions about death and religion. to Keep It Weird, where the podcast for all things strange and unusual, for all things that make you say, what, who, where? And today, <laughs> we're here to make you go, whoa. <laughs> yeah. This week is part two of our discussion on coincidences and getting to the bottom of how they work, if they are real, and what you need to believe in in order to experience them. Today, we'll be covering all different faiths, the idea of fate and free will, synchronicities, interpreting messages from the universe, skepticism, and oh, so much more. So put on your thinking caps and come in with an open mind because we're about to experience some high strangeness. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And we have peed. We're ready for part two. We had a nice bathroom trip. We are so prepared. Empty bladders, full hearts, can't lose. This is going to be a long episode, so we'll get right into it. I actually yes. have a quick story. Did I tell you about how I was abducted by aliens last week? Um, Hello? No? Well, okay. go ahead. Joe gets very upset with me when I start with that because the actual story of what happened is already so interesting, but that is what I experienced. Um, The actual story is something entirely different. So I'm already not well, but here we go. Thursday night the at 2 a.m. I am awoken. I'm asleep. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm awoken to what it sounds. There's sound and it's just all around me. It's so loud. It's just sound. And our room is lighting up flashes of light in our room. And I'm literally like, it's time. They've come for me. I don't know how they found me in North Hollywood, but they're here take me be gentle sure just bring me in yeah joe comes in the room he's awake he he stayed up he was awake he was like playing video games or something joe comes in the bedroom and goes hey just so you know don't worry the doors are locked and i was like i need more information yeah what like is there a war outside what do you mean like start over what's happening what so Apparently, what had happened was, so Joe was out there, and he heard a commotion outside. He heard, like, something slam, and he thought maybe it was raccoons. We have raccoons that sometimes get into our dumpsters downstairs. And he kind of goes to the door to listen. He hears people talking. So he goes outside on the balcony, and he hears, um, like, people talking about how there was a guy. And Joe was like, hey, what's going on? And our downstairs neighbor was like, there was a dude hiding in our trash cans and when i came out and like was like hey he like jumped on our trash cans and jumped the fence well within about like t- two minutes about 15 cop cars show up outside and they have blocked off all the streets they've blocked off our whole neighborhood and joe was like what is happening he gets on citizen app and uh, about 20 minutes before this 
there was a notification that a man had shot a gun at an apartment building, like oh. about half a mile from our place. Oh my! God. No one heard the gunshots, but someone reported that a man had shot like twice at this apartment building. So Joe was like, "Holy shit!" So does this guy have a gun? So the noise and the lights I was hearing was a uh, LAPD helicopter. And like, if you live in LA, you are no stranger to them. They circle your neighborhoods all the time for whatever reason. But this wasn't circling our neighborhood. It was just circling our apartment. So it was literally like 100 feet above the tree line. Doing right. these tight circles around our apartment, shining its like spotlight. Yeah, that on would feel so different than when you know it's in the distance and going around your neighborhood. That's yeah. so intense. So I truly thought I was being abducted. Uh, turns out it was a fugitive, an armed fugitive. Um, oh but my God. yeah, so Joe was actually on our balcony, like holding this huge ceramic like candle holder thing, and he was like literally <gasps> waiting. He was like, if he runs by, I'm throwing it. Ooh, and love uh, that though. Yeah, another one of our neighbors was downstairs and he was like, He's over here, he's over here. And they ended up they they caught him. They caught him about half an hour to Thank an hour later. Goodness. So uh I but, mean terrifying in so many ways. I'm glad you so guys are scary. safe, but also I would have thought that the aliens were coming to take me home as well with those loud noises and lights. Honestly, I went right back to sleep. Like when he told me, I was like, Ugh, okay. I do. Oh, it's just a murderer. Oh, Fine. it's just a murderer. Fine. <laughs> I do sort of wish that the the news hel- or the LAP helicopter LAPD helicopter was actually like a news helicopter because it would have gotten one of the funniest images of me possibly of ever all time. Because I didn't have my glasses on and I kind of went to the window and I my hair was squinting. like in a bun that was like falling out of my head and I was like squinting, like looking and I was like, and it pointed its spot like right at me and I was like, if that had been on the news, I would have been so funny. Oh, I have such a vision of you just squinting into viral. the sky in your nighttime bun like, hello? I was Is in like it? a 2XL. terrestrials 2XL Hellboy shirt and I was like, yes. what? Yeah. Hello? Um that's so, magical. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I'm That's happy you're safe. Story. <laughs> I loved it so um, much. <laughs> today we're talking about coincidences oh, and what yay. a coincidence. And Lauren is going to start us off. Yeah. And like you said, I think we just have to kind of jump right in. So yeah. you guys heard some amazing stories last week. And this week we're going to kind of talk about a little more behind the scenes, getting into some of the science and what is actually going on and the different beliefs that people have, the different theories. And maybe by the end of this, you will kind of say, huh, maybe this is what I believe. But we shall see. So coincidences, guys. What do we all say? The most common phrase that is uttered when something miraculous happens. What are the odds? What are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds? Um, That is the catchphrase of coincidences, because a coincidence is not just something that was unlikely to happen, but it is something that we were taking notice of, and we feel like we're in this special location, in this special time, and it just gives off this magical feeling. So the label of coincidence is packed with a variety of experiences, and yet something more than just rarity makes us want to put all of these experiences together because they they have a similar kind of feeling that makes us all step back and wonder if everything in our life is just perfectly meant to be. 
and that random events will always lead us there. And the questions that still exist are where this feeling comes from, why we notice certain ways the events in our lives collide, and why we ignore other events in our lives. So there's all kinds of things going on. I think it also is a big reason why, like, for example, like my grandparents who are are both passed now, but their their neighbor, Roger, um, actually passed away this year of COVID. And he uh was old. You know, he was an old man. He lived a full life. But he was in World War II and Korea. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, can you imagine like surviving two horrific wars surviving cancer survive and then you know dying from a completely preventable disease right you know what i mean you hear about people like surviving getting through cancer like finally getting through cancer and then dying in a car accident exactly and it's it's like how how is yeah and i think it's the sort of the opposite of what a a normal coincidence feels like where it's like oh wow and then the opposite is like why 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 make them suffer like that and then just they die so instantaneously for sure yeah there's just so many there's so many questions about Mm -hmm. all of these things that happen we don't understand how the universe operates i i truly will never understand but which is a good argument for chaos yes yes it is um So some people might say that the reason we get so excited about coincidences is just because we, uh, most people, don't understand probability. So I'm just going to kind of dive right into things that are going on. And I'm going to talk about lots of different scientists, and I'm probably going to say very incorrect names, and just bear with me. Just give her a chance, guys. Give me a chance. In their 1989 paper, Methods for Studying Coincidences, Two mathematicians named Percy Diaconis and Frederick Mosteller considered Mm -hmm. defining a coincidence as a rare event, but decided that that includes way too much open air around it. Like that just gives too, that's way too vague and it won't allow for a careful study. So they instead settled on a coincidence being a surprising occurrence of events perceived as meaningful and somehow related, even though there is no obvious connection, which we have touched on a little bit already. Mm -hmm. And so from a purely statistical point of view, these events are random, not meaningful related, and they shouldn't be that surprising because they actually happen all the time. Extremely improbable events are commonplace. Statistics professors would say this all the time, that it's, it's nothing new. But humans generally aren't great at reasoning objectively about probability as we're going about our daily lives. And that is very true. We're not thinking of that. We're not thinking of statistics. We're just seeing something that feels rare and strange and we get excited. We're very egocentric too. Oh, 100%. So when it's happening to us, it's like, like, we're the main character. This is important. (laughs) Yes, this is important. I'm the main character of this movie called Life. (laughs) So yeah, we're not thinking of that. And yes, that actually leads me into the biggest thing is that people can be pretty liberal with what they consider coincidences in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you meet someone who shares your birthday, that seems like a super fun coincidence. And you might even feel the same way if someone shares your mother's birthday or if it's like the day before yours or the same week. We will freak out about anything because we're looking for something exciting and we want it to be about us and, you know amp up our life a little bit but 
you look at it, there are so many people on this planet, billions, as we know, and according to the law of truly large numbers, with a large enough sample, any outrageous thing is likely to happen, which those mathematicians I mentioned, Diaconis and Musteller, went on to say in their studies, that this was total commonplace. Like, we have so many people on this planet, anything that you consider outrageous actually makes so much probable sense because that's just what happens with large masses of people. And for example, if enough people buy lottery tickets, there's going to be a Powerball winner. And to the person who wins, it feels surprising and miraculous because they are one out of, you know, whatever. So many people who bought them. But the fact that someone won doesn't surprise anybody else because we're like, yep, that's how the lottery works. Somebody yeah. wins, goodbye. And we all forget and about it. The the higher the number of people who purchased a ticket seems more, more unlikely that you would win, but it is actually more likely that someone would win. Exactly. It's not necessarily increases the chances. Yeah. But the person who wins is like, oh, this is one in a million. I just won the lotto. Like, this is nuts. And that is how we all think about it. But yeah, we just hear the winner on the news and we're like, oh, yep. Somebody won the lottery. That's what happened. So good for you. Yeah, good for you. Enjoy your money. Enjoy your money. Your dirty money. (laughs) Your dirty, dirty money. And even within the limited sample of our own lives, there are all kinds of opportunities for coincidences to happen. If you consider all of the people you know, all the places you go, all the places other people go, your friends, your relatives, everyone, chances are good that you will run into someone you know somewhere at some point, but it'll seem like a coincidence when you do. When anything that surprises us happens and we're just we're not thinking about that, we we freak out. It's It makes us believe that it was special. And to demonstrate how common unlikely seeming events can be, mathematicians also like to trot out what is called the birthday problem. And I have heard this one a million times. I'm sure you have. I'm sure our listeners have. But there is this like trivia question that gets posed. Um, I feel like I've seen it online a couple times that say, How many people need to be in a room before there's a 50-50 chance that two of them will share the same birthday? And I don't know exactly how you get there. Obviously, there's some math involved that I don't understand. Math is not our friend. It sure isn't. But the answer is 23. Like, that is the correct answer. It's been proven all the time. The answer is 23 people. And that's not that many people to be in a room where, like, someone will have your same birthday. So, again... If that were to happen, where you're at a birthday party or some other gathering and someone has the same birthday, whatever, we'd be excited, of course. But then you hear that and you're like, oh, that's no, actually, actually really not likely. That, special at all. <laughs> yeah, that must happen There's only all 365 the damn time. days a year. I know. <laughs> right, right, so. right. There's also not that many birthdays. So you hear that and you're like, okay, is anything even special? Is it all truly just math and life is dull and boring? But then there are two researchers who I'm going to basically from this point forward talk about a whole lot. I'm going to focus on them for the rest of the episode, who I love. They have a very healthy skepticism of coincidences, but they also hate the birthday theory because it doesn't necessarily cover every situation. And these two guys that I'm going to mention both still kind of find the magic in coincidence stories through their scientific research. And that just makes me so happy so i think that the the birthday problem is so lackluster to me is because there's only one connection 
right. like, what's your birthday? That, the end. 100%. But so many coincidences have step by step. They have. Right, there's layers. Layers to the coincidence where like this had to happen and this had to happen and to this had to, to happen this, and this had to, to happen to lead to the one coincidence that's like, holy shit. Agreed, what are the agreed, odds? Agreed. What's the coincidence? Yeah. Whereas like birthday, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it does excite people. So again, I get sure. why it's yeah. mentioned because Actually, as humans, not me. we are like, like <gasps> you have my birthday? <laughs> when someone's like, oh, that's my birthday. I'm like, cool. Well, don't come near me on March 22nd because that's my day. Yeah. You're also like, well, we're not celebrating together. Reese Witherspoon, Give me my moment. back off. Get away from Keegan me. Keegan-Michael Key. Get out of town. Oh, but also love Keegan Michael. But also, Key. like, if you I guys love could you, have a combined so birthday over, party. Totally fine. Yeah. That'd be really great. Okay, perfect. Sorry, go on. Continuing on. So, I'm going to start with a quote from one of the researchers named Bernard Bateman, who said, Oh, those guys and their birthdays really get me mad, <laughs> <laughs> which is something Same. he was quoted as saying. I know. So Bateman is a psychiatrist and professor at the University of Virginia and author of the book Connecting with Coincidence. And he says that when someone asks, what are the odds? They most likely are not actually asking, what are the odds that a coincidence of this nature would have happened to anyone in this room? But more like, what are the odds that this specific thing is happening to me right here, right now, in this moment, in this universe, maybe what? Which is true. We're not looking for the math problem. Yeah. And he goes on to say, with anything more complicated than a birthday match, it becomes impossible to calculate, which is exactly what we were just saying. It's like the birthday, I hear what you're saying, little math men, but that's not saying. what we're talking about here. And then the other guy I'm going to talk about is named David Spiegelhalter. And his one of his first quotes was saying that a coincidence itself is in the eye of the beholder. Spiegelhalter is a professor at the University of Cambridge and the other guy that I just love so much. And the magical part of coincidence to him is not that it happens, because again, we are learning that probability is a thing, but that we as humans pick up on it and notice it. And we are the reason coincidences are cool. Yeah. So to bring it back to our part one of coincidences, I told a story by a journalist named Julie Beck. She was the author of that Cedar Point story that I mentioned last week. Please go back and listen. It's super fun. And she told um, professor and researcher Spiegelhalter the story over the phone because he actually collects coincidence stories on this website. He allows people to submit their stories. He currently has about 5,000 stories. Ooh. And there is a ton of studies still to be done on them. They have to kind of do some like data mining on it and have like the text pulled out and do a lot right. of more, do a lot more analytics on it. But what they have done is they allow people when they submit to put in a category. So there is at least the analysis of how many categories there can be for coincidence. So Julie was able to tell her Cedar Point story. And so were many others on this website and kind of put them into categories. And Spiegelhalter said of Julie's story, the Cedar Point story, that it fits into finding a link with someone you meet. But he went on to say that it's a very different sort of connection than what usually fits into that category. Because it's not like other people who said, oh, I met someone who lived in the same house as me. It's this person dropped money at this huge theme park with thousands of people that you happen to find and that 
you then were next to a year later within earshot while he was happy. He happened to be retelling the story of how he lost the money that you then found. He just, he sort of went on the way you and I were last week when we were yeah. commenting on the story of like Spiegelhalter just could not get over how many layers there were to it. And that the coincidence existed no matter what, like these two people were in the same location, basically a year apart but they happened to meet each other and hear each other having this conversation and, you know, were actually able to meet and confirm that the story was real and she was listening at just the right moment. And he was just so blown away by it that he was like, okay, here's your category, but also you're super special. Yeah. <laughs> and he firmly believes that these situations only happen to certain kinds of people. Which even though Bateman, the other researcher, does sort of a different approach, he also agrees with this theory. He very firmly believes that he has successfully found certain personality traits to be linked to experiencing coincidences. People who describe themselves as religious or spiritual, which is not surprising. Mm -hmm. People who are self-referential or likely to relate information from the external back to themselves. And people who are high in meaning-seeking um events in life uh they all seem to be coincidence prone which makes total sense these are the people who are they're looking out for these things and they're trying very hard to connect things to themselves and he also believes that people are likely to see coincidences when they're sad angry or anxious because it just opens them up a little bit more to things and they're seeking for they're looking for solace so honestly they're trying to find peace in any way they can, and yeah. that opens them up as well, which makes sense. So for Bateman, prob probability is just not enough when it comes to studying coincidence, because statistics can describe what happens, but they can't explain it any further than chance. And so he goes on to say, I know there's something more going on than the way that we pay attention to things. Random is not enough of an explanation, and he's just looking for more. So he himself says his life is littered with coincidences because he's observant and he's looking out for them. He has that personality. And then Spiegelhalter believes in them wholeheartedly and loves to study them. But he says he actually never has experienced a big coincidence oh, in his life. I know, which I kind of loved because he just says, he's like, I'm not observant. When I'm out in the world, I'm just like looking down. I'm trying to get through my day. I'm just walking around or I'm riding the train and he says he never opens up conversations to strangers. He's not looking to make new friends. And he just believes he's a person that he keeps to himself and he's not seeking to discover anything further than his normal daily routine. So Bateman, like Spiegelhalter, is interested in sorting and labeling different kinds of coincidences, but in his own way. He developed his own categories that are a bit more expansive and include not only things that happen in the world, but people's thoughts and feelings as well which I think is like the key to it all. Yeah. So he divides coincidences into three broad categories. They're called environment, environment, um, mind, environment, and then mind, mind. So environment, environment are the most obvious and easiest to understand. These are the most common coincidences you'll hear about. So these are objectively observable. They are something or a series of things that happen in the physical world for example, you're at a bar in Morocco and your long lost love from years ago who lives in Paris happens to show up. Or in Julie Beck's case, the journalist, she found some money and a year later she met the person who lost it. That's environment, environment. 
mind environment are premonition-esque. So you're thinking of a friend and then they call you, which we mentioned in part one. Yeah. Or you're thinking of a song and that song comes on. But these things, sadly, aren't really measurable unless you, like, write it down with the timestamp or, like, text someone, like, I can't get this song out of my head. And then it comes on while you're both in the car together. Then maybe that would be, like, a cool thing. But they're very cool for the person that it happens to. Obviously, it's, like, exciting when you're singing it in your head and then you turn on the radio and it's immediately on. But there's just no proof. Anybody can really say anything. And, again, probability is just high that those things would happen, especially if it's a popular song that's playing or if it's a friend that you talk to often. It just – it would happen. It's, like, those people are going to message you when you're thinking of them. That's just something that happens in our life. But another sort of mind-environment interaction is learning a new word and then suddenly seeing it everywhere, which I liked reading about this because this happens to me all the time. Or like hearing a song for the first time and saying like, oh, I didn't even know this song existed. And then it's on for like weeks everywhere I go in every store and every restaurant. But this is actually an effect that the um, a Stanford lingui- linguistics professor named Arnold Zwicky calls the frequency illusion. And it's actually not a premonition as we want to believe, but it's just that once you've noticed something, your brain is primed to notice it again the next time you encounter it. A word or a concept goes the same way. You've just learned it. It's stuck in your mind. You may have even heard it a hundred times before, but you hadn't focused on it or heard the actual definition. But now your mind is paying attention to it and it's more likely to pop out at you. It's very scientific. It's very normal. It's not as magical as we all think. Would the number 13 be a frequency illusion? No. See, I think that's different. Because he is more saying, like, you hear something for the first time and actually focus on it, or you learn a definition of something and actually, like, absorb it. Well, because I was thinking, you know, like, the number 13 popping out at you. And the thing is, is the number 13 is around you, just like all numbers, are around you all the time. But if you're looking for a specific one, if you're more aware of the number 13 than other numbers, then you are going to see that number more often simply because you are looking for it which i agree i guess in some ways like yes that would fit in but like in some ways i do think i don't know i do think that numbers could be kind of following people because i don't know as much as you could tell yourself that yes maybe i'm just looking for the number 13 like Mm -hmm. we're so familiar with all numbers that wouldn't we think Every number sticks out to us, or maybe not. Maybe your brain does tell you something of 13, 13, 13, like look for it. I don't know. I feel like it only like half fits in. Yeah. To me, there is still something kind of mystical about seeing a number, but I don't know. It does fit in in a way, but take that for what you will. (laughs) And then the final category is the mind-mind. And this one is probably the most mystical, magical of all. So one example of this is a term that Bateman coined called simulpathy, which describes the feeling or pain of emotion that someone else is feeling at a distance. And we actually touched on this in the twins episode that... There could be something genetic going on. Again, this is this is the category that has never really been explained. You can kind of rationalize a lot of coincidences away. 
this is one that people are sort of baffled by because nobody really understands why twins go through feeling the pain of each other when they're miles and miles away. But sometimes even non-twins feel this. And the reason Bateman coined this term and is so passionate about it is because he has a personal story. So he shares, in San Francisco in 1973, February 26th, he says, I stood at a sink uncontrollably choking. There was nothing in my throat, but I was choking like crazy, gasping for air. It was around 11 o'clock in San Francisco, and the next day my brother called me and told me that my father had died at 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware, which... 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware, is 11 o'clock in San Francisco. And he had died by choking on blood in his throat. Oh, my God. So he says, that was a dramatic experience that changed me for my entire life. And it made me want to go on the hunt to study coincidences in general, but also to find more people like me. And to his luck, he found that it actually happens pretty often to many people out there in the world. Twins, as we said, but also to either just relatives or really close friends. So it's a phenomenon that really cannot be explained, but definitely happens. And I, that's the one that I just like, I have immediate chills when I hear a story like that. Like how, how I don't understand how that happened. He had nothing in his throat. He was just standing at the sink choking for what seemed like no reason. Yeah, I hear a lot of stories about people that are like, I woke up in the middle of the night in a panic and I couldn't calm myself down. It came out of nowhere. And then they find out the next day that like their best friend or their sister was like in a car accident around that time. Right. Or I, you know, all of a sudden had like horrific chest pains. They came out of nowhere. It wasn't indigestion. I hadn't eaten anything. I didn't know what it was. And you find out that someone close to you had a heart attack at the same time. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. we don't understand anything. Right. (laughs) You just think like how, how, like we, this can't be real. We can't just be. Because you're not. It, it it doesn't have anything to do with you thinking about it and then having the pain because that's something that happens. Yep. You can really right. like fuck yourself up by by believing and so you know that's why WebMD yeah, you're convincing is yourself yeah. you experience something. But yeah. if you don't know it's happening, you have no idea. Yeah, and it just comes out of the blue, and then you receive news like that, and you're like, okay, well, that was exactly what was happening to me. But why? Why? So that's crazy. And that fits into that mind-mind category that truly nobody can explain at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what Bateman was studying. And then, yeah, he goes on to say that leaving a coincidence as nothing more than a curiosity may be the more evidence-based approach. And it is what a lot of people try to put themselves in the mindset of because they just think, like, I can't wrap my head around this, so I'm just going to say whatever. Probability tells me that, of course, this would happen. But it's also not fair to say that the people who make meaning from coincidences are irrational, because the process by which we notice coincidences is part of our cognitive architecture. It's the way that our minds work. It's the way that we're designed to make sense of the world. We find surprise, and we call things a miracle, because that's how we're processing and perceiving the information and we're not immediately you know sitting down doing a math problem so most people out there want to find connection in these random events because it's how we process it's how we use our emotions so there this kind of brings me into fate and free will which is a huge thing in the world and there is a large group of people 
especially spiritual people that like to find meaning in random events because they believe in fate. And many religious people as well, because there's absolutely a difference. There's then the people, you know, in the institutions and really, really embedded in religion, not all, but many, who believe that God has their entire life mapped out for them. Mm -hmm. And I was even telling Ashley a little bit about this last week that I actually saw so much of that when I was attending church regularly and going to Bible studies that some of the leaders of the groups would talk about how they felt they had no control of their life because it was predetermined by God. And even when a decision was seemingly so much their own and they were grueling over it, you know, it was like they would come to the Bible study talking about how much stress they were under, deciding if they should leave their job. And it felt very much like we were talking them through it. They were talking themselves through it. But then they would just say, oh, no, what I told you guys last week, that was God. Like yeah, God, God was pulling the strings. Yeah, God was well, that doesn't the strings make like a any puppet master. Freaking sense because the it Bible doesn't. says I know. I don't understand it, Ashley, and I could go on and on. Like I don't I again, and I know that we have religious people who follow us and like please email us and talk to us. Like I want to get in a, an honest conversation yeah, about this with I you. Would like love to truly understand. I do. Like I would love to have more of an understanding because in those days when I was attending church and going to these Bible studies, I was always sitting there kind of rolling my eyes because I didn't understand it. Like, how could God be this how puppet could it be master? Both? Yeah. How could it be both? How, how did you seem so much in this debate of choosing the path and grueling with yourself and feeling very much like you were about to make that decision, but then you're telling me God made the decision for you because he knows best and... Yeah, they would say like, oh, God made sure I made that specific choice. Like it sounded like I was debating, but God always knew what I was going to decide. Yeah. And I just, I I personally really struggled with that. I'm just saying like that. It's just my opinion. I have not. Where does the free will come in then? So is it only yeah. people that choose to sin or like break the Ten Commandments that like that's the only time that free will comes in it just right. doesn't is it only the sinners it's like, only all... serial killers are the ones that are like right. well they listen to the devil and that's it's well like well how do you know which one's the god and which one's the devil like how do you know I the know. devil's not do making this decision for you it just right. doesn't you know what don't buy it i know i just yeah <laughs> and i i appreciate that you're you on my same page because i <laughs> yeah i've i've always struggled with that and it, it, that may even be part of the reason that i Ended up leaving the church, to be honest, because I just never felt like I was getting an honest answer when I would try to dig into it more. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it was like the domino effect and a lot of things happened after that. But I, yeah, it was just hard for me to accept that even if we want something to go a certain way and we are fighting over something that it's possible that God could or a higher power could be orchestrating our life to go in a completely different direction that doesn't even relate to our life in any way. That also baffles me because I believe like we have that free will because of who we are as people. Like there has to be a way to get ourselves on the right path. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, yeah, I struggle with that whole predetermination thing. And I, I feel like we somehow have to have the power to get ourselves through life, through our own decision making, even if there is an idea or a loose template of what our life should look like somewhere out there in the world. I think we can still create those specifics and connect the dots in our own way or at least that is how I've always looked at it. But I have also heard people, again, to defend both sides, because, again, that is not all people in the right. church. But because I have also heard people 
who went to my old church sometimes say that God has plans and hopes for them, but that they still have to be listening to the call or interpreting the call in their own way to mm. get the results that they want. So that always comforted me a little, a little when I would have sense. those conversations of people being like, I know that God has this outlook for me and has hopes for me to go down this path, but I ultimately have to choose that. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just you. like a parent who's like, you yes. know, I really want you to be a doctor, so I'm going to make sure that you. you go to this good school and I'm going to, you know, make sure that I... I impress upon you that I would like you to become a doctor, but it's, you know, the kid might be like, I'm going to art school. And it's right. like, son of a bitch. <laughs> God damn but it. Also, what I thought. Go to art school. Yeah, there is, God could be that parent, that Athlete. Athlete? Athlete, that Ashley just referenced. God could be the parent in that situation, and you have to be listening to the call or going on your own path to get the results that you want. And this makes me think that sometimes religious or spiritual people are agreeing with me and are on the same page, that maybe there is some sort of higher power. If you're not spiritual, if you're not religious, you know, I don't know necessarily what everyone believes in, and that's uh, we all have our own thoughts, and that's totally fine and fair for everyone, but maybe there is some superior power at work whatever that may be could literally be like electricity i don't know but maybe things are connected in some way and we just have to be listening and we have to be open-minded and we have to be sort of on the search for it in order for things to actually happen like there may be some sort of fate that's out there for you and these opportunities are coming but are you even listening to them and are you even seeing them so what it comes down to for me is that I think fate and free will can both exist together. Right. I don't have all the answers, but it seems to be that fate can present itself through opportunities that come at you throughout your life, and you just have to be open to receive them, and you can choose that road that you want to go down in order to get to that fate. And I don't think that someone can expect things to fall in their lap and for fate to find them or this big destiny to reveal itself in a big unexpected way like fireworks like you do have to put in a little bit of the work and if you're someone this was something I also read in some articles because I was like am I crazy am I just bitching about nothing but I read a lot of articles both from like pastors philosophers scientists and everyone kind of goes on saying maybe there is some bit of predetermination in our life but you can't be a person who just sits at home and complains all the time and expect it to just like knock on your door and I know a lot of comp a lot of people currently in my life who say they're in a dead end job and they're all they do is complain and say they know that something's going to come their way. Something's going to come find them mm -hmm. and present them the opportunity when the time is right. So they just have to keep paying their dues. But Don't it doesn't seem like it. they're applying for jobs. They're not networking. They're not looking for anything. And obviously, if there is some sort of fate, you don't have to do like too much crazy work but you do have to like exist and put the work out there like send an email walk down the street um go on linkedin do something don't just sit in a cubicle wasting away you have to put yourself out there in some way put in a little bit of work and then maybe that right place right time moment that you've been thinking of will happen but you have to actually put yourself there and Hopefully, one of your choices will put you in front of someone with just the right opportunity for you, and it will match up, and that can be your big, crazy coincidence story. 
But you can't just sit there and hope that that happens. finds you. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with fate and free will. And I think it's really hard to say what is real because, again, I went down the rabbit hole and everyone, no matter which side you talk to, whether it's science, philosophy, religion, everyone sort of came to the same end of like, you have to decide that for yourself. But for the most part... It seems to be that you do have to put yourself into the world to think that you're going to receive some sort of fate and some yeah. sort of destiny for your life. Like, you, you can't really just sit back. How do you feel? Well, if you look at, like, the multiple timeline theory, too, like, fate can still be, uh, still exist alongside free will, especially if there are multiple timelines and each one is predestined. It's like, if right. you make this decision, ultimately, it could end here. If you make this decision, ultimate, your life could end here. Um, mm -hmm. or go this way or whatever. Like in one timeline, I could be like a famous, I was almost going to say doctor, but that's hilarious because I've never passed a math <laughs> class in my life. I'm not going to be a famous doctor on any uh, timeline. Uh, but like on maybe. one timeline, maybe I still have a mohawk and I'm a painter. You know what I mean? Ooh, but like, hell yeah. it all yes. could have been fate in that timeline, mm -hmm. but sure. I made a different decision. And now I'm on a different path that's leading me to an endpoint that is predestined. But if I make a different decision, there's a new endpoint that's predestined. Right. I'm 100% with you. I think that could absolutely be happening. And we, we talk about multiple timelines on the show a lot. And I feel like coincidences actually kind of like brings that back. In yeah. That like maybe those are things intersecting and getting us like onto that path of oh yep this is where you were supposed to be like right place right time now you're you're on your way to your predestined ending that we always knew was there for you <coughs> which is interesting but I kind of wanted to leave you all with this as I come down for my fate free will rant that I feel like I just went on for way too long while I was doing research I came across this like life wellness coaches page who was talking about fate and free will and at first I was sort of like, oh, she, I feel like she's spewing out so much jargon. I don't know if I like her, but I kind of liked her little three-step plan that she put at the end of her speech. And I was like, I kind of like this, so I'll tell it to you guys too. She says, here are three tips for bending destiny in your favor. And her name is Donna Lynn. Love it. She's the author of Life Lessons, Everything You Ever Wished You Had Learned in Kindergarten. Here are her three tips. One, pay attention to your life. It's trying to tell you something. Fate is constantly bringing you opportunities, but you just have to be conscious enough to see them. Slow down and pay attention so you don't miss fate's critical stirrings. Number two, you have to act or nothing will change. Snap, snap, that's what I was just saying. Fate brings you possibilities, but it can't make you take them. Don't sit on the bench and watch opportunities go by. If you don't act, you don't get... And three, if it feels like you're hitting your head on a wall, stop it. You may be using your free will to force an outcome that is not right for you. And if you are trying to force change, but it isn't happening, then it isn't meant to happen. So walk away, which I really, really like step three, because that actually touches on kind of the side that we didn't talk about at all. Like sitting and waiting for fate is one thing, but what if you're using your free will to force something that you think is right, but it keeps feeling uncomfy and roadblocks keep popping up and all these negative things are happening to you, that could also be a sign for you from the universe of like, oh, no, 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 
maybe sit back on this and rethink some things. So, But it could also be if you're uncomfy and it's hard and it's difficult, it might just be that like every single time you make a big change, whether it's in yourself or in something that you're doing, you're literally bending the universe around you. You're changing everything. If everything that's ever happened has already happened and is, is happening right now, you're literally changing the world. It's not through, going to be like, like felt through making this decision. So it might just be hard to do that. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it might literally be like you're bending physics. Yeah, 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 yeah. By doing and that's this hard why thing. things start to feel uncomfortable because you're you're changing literally everything around you because you made this choice. The Jersey Devil, Wendigo, the Gates of Hell. Bloody Mary, the Vanishing Hitchhiker, the Licking Hand, the Hook-Handed Killer, the Lady in White, the Killer in the Backseat, Pop Rocks, and Diet Soda. We've all heard the stories around the campfire or water cooler. We've all shared the legends with hushed whispers or nervous laughter. But do we really know the truth? Do we really know what goes bump in the night? Do we want to? I'm Micah. And I'm Amanda. And together, every Friday night, we bring you a brand new, no-holds-barred glimpse at an urban legend from right in your backyard. The Great American Urban Legend Podcast is raw and it is real. It is well-written, expertly produced, and as informative as it is irreverent. If you're looking for a podcast that is authentic, frightful, and funny, you found it. Whether you want to hear about ancient pagan religions, the Norse pantheon, or Greek mythology, we've got you covered. If you are at all curious or interested in the macabre, superstitions, cryptid, or crime, you've come to the right place. Join us every Friday night at 9 p.m. for another harrowing and hilarious dive into the infinite abyss at the Great American Urban Legend. So today I'm talking about synchronicity. You've probably heard this word a lot, but may not have any idea what it means or where it originated or if you've ever experienced it. Um, and I'm going to start from the beginning. The term synchronicity was coined by Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung. I'm sure you've heard that name before. Um, mm-hmm. He founded analytical psychology. He worked with Sigmund Freud for many years, kind of as counterparts until they kind of had to break away from each other because they just had two very different ideas about psychology. Right. Carl Jung created some of the best-known psychological concepts we have, including extroversion and introversion. So if you've ever heard, like, I'm an introvert, you can thank him. And uh, (laughs) even collective unconsciousness, which is a theory I am very fond of and may touch on today as well. Yes. He's a very respected psychoanalyst and held strong beliefs in a wide variety of paranormal phenomenon, including psychic powers, predictive dreams, UFOs, and telekinesis. So he's kind of my dude. He's truly the best. Truly the best. Idol. So synchronicity is essentially what you were talking about. It's circumstances that appear meaningfully related yet lack a causal connection. And it's basically it's what gives meaning to the coincidences. And it began as a purely psychological study of the mind and how, like you were saying, our psyche is able to make connections And in some cases, searches for new information that confirms preconceptions, but also, like you were saying, that we didn't touch on that much, but avoids information that contradicts their prior beliefs. Yes, 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 yes. 
But the more research he did and the more spiritual he became, it morphed into a much more universal concept. And he believed that life was not a series of random events, but rather an expression of a deeper order. Jung believed that in a person's life, synchronicity served a role similar to that of dreams with the purpose of shifting a person's egocentric conscious thinking to greater wholeness, basically bringing you closer to being one with the universe. Okay. That you had to take it out of the ego. It's not about you. It is about everything. And then being able to just connect to everything around Mm -hmm. you. And that synchronicities are a way to do that. Um, science and mathematicians, not a fan of synchronicity. Um, mm-hmm. Of course. Young and like-minded individuals share the belief that numbers are the archetypes of order and major participants in synchronicity creation, um, and they're not the enemy. And there's a theory called dynamical systems, which is an area of mathematics used to describe the behavior of complex dynamical systems and basically shows that there is a behavior to math. And it is an offshoot because most of modern research is focused on the study of chaotic systems, which believes there is no behavior and everything is chaos and coincidences are not real. Mm -hmm. One thing we've mentioned on the show before that goes along with the math side of this is random number generators. And random number generation is exactly what it says. They generate a sequence of numbers that cannot be reasonably predicted better than by random chance. They are truly random. But there is research being done by several people. One of them is the Global Consciousness Project that has suggested that the behavior of random number generators can be affected by important world events or even sometimes psychic powers. For example, it was found that random number generators behaved non-randomly shortly before, during, and for some days after the September 11th terrorist attacks and this is random number generators generators all over started okay computing numbers that seemed to be non-random and wait like in what way were they not so random? if you like go, they were connected to the attacks yeah well no not connected to the attacks but basically like it it happens at other times too it happens during like award ceremonies um jury verdicts and oh. major criminal cases natural disasters protests basically they believe that the shared consciousness of large groups of people who are focusing their minds on the same event somehow affects the random activity in random number generators and you can actually i know you can go to their site um i'll find the link to it but it's basically um the uh consciousness global consciousness project and you can play around with a random number generator to see how it works like what it does Um, And like I said, there are random number generators all over the world. And for whatever reason, during very big events like this, where enough people, millions of people are are putting their minds to one thing, they behave differently. Interesting. That is so cool. And these studies are important because it does suggest a behavior involving numbers, maths, chance, etc. Right. So um, basically, you know, I I know you were saying this a little bit earlier, synchronicity uh, as well as like coincidences, meaningful coincidences are regarded as complete pseudoscience. And like you said, it's not even necessarily because it isn't possible, but that there would be no way to prove it. (laughs) Right. Like how? How do you even begin to prove it? Yeah. Um, what guide could we possibly use mm-hmm. to determine the correctness of an interpretation? Yeah. 
And uh, there was one quote I, I was trying to scroll and find earlier when you were talking about this, but I, I couldn't get to it fast enough. And because Carl Jung completely acknowledged this, um, this, you know, uh-huh. quote unquote problem of not being able to prove it. But it it doesn't stop a large portion of people from believing it exists. And Dung actually said an initial mood of faith and optimism makes for good results. Skepticism and resistance have the opposite effect. That is, they create unfavorable disposition. So like you were saying, it has to be the certain type of person who is open right. to it, looking for it. There is something known as confirmation bias. And okay. you did kind of touch on this as well. It's essentially like the tendency to interpret new evidence as a confirmation of your existing beliefs and theories and like I was saying earlier, if you're looking out for the number 13, you're way more likely to find that number all around you all the time. Right. When in reality, all numbers are all around you all the time, but you're convinced of the yeah, significance. You're looking for 13. Yeah, of yeah. 13. Therefore, it becomes significant and therefore it becomes abundant, but it's not really abundant. You just mm-hmm. are noticing it. Sure. Which to some people is like, well, that's confirmation bias. But the universe may be like, no, it's not. I'm showing you this. We don't know. (laughs) Right. And another thing that you said earlier, like synchronicity in its simplest definition is meaningful coincidences. So for a lot of believers, it's not just like looking for coincidences. That's not what makes it meaningful, like looking Mm. for them and finding them. The meaningful part is in experiencing a coincidence that is personally meaningful in such a way that it makes you stop and pay attention. Yes. Stops you in your tracks. Yeah. Not like, that I am you're listening. I'm looking. constantly searching for it, but that something right. happens that makes you literally stop and go, huh? Yes. Yes. That's the amazing part. So if you're noticing synchronicities, what does that mean? Carl Jung wasn't really specific when he was talking about an individual's experiences, but in conjunction with his other beliefs, he does seem to believe that synchronicity signifies some sort of psychic, um, if that's what you want to call it, event or connection to the collective unconsciousness is occurring. And that's the collective unconsciousness of the universe, not just between humans, like human to human, but all things. And you've heard the word synchronicities a lot in the documentary Hellier, for those of you who've watched it. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. I believe it's on YouTube and Amazon Prime, but I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon now. You may have to pay a little rental fee on Amazon, but truly it's worth it. I'm pretty sure it's it's free on YouTube. I don't know. Look it up. It's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. as they were doing their investigation of the um, gremlins, goblins, the whatever aliens i don't know in hellier kentucky i can't remember what they call them were they goblins i i was just gremlins? thinking that when you said it when you Trolls? first said gremlins i nodded and then when you said goblins i was like oh maybe that <laughs> makes more sense than a gremlin uh, maybe they said goblin because i feel like gremlin is too associated with the movie they yeah. wouldn't have said that okay so whenever they goblin? were researching doing their investigation of the creatures in Hellier, uh-huh. Kentucky, they were experiencing many synchronicities, and they believed that those meaningful coincidences were indicating to them that they were on the right path, that the choices they were making were leading them in the right direction. And we see that in everyday life. Like, on our good days, on our best days, everything seems to be going right. 
Mm-hmm. You, it yeah. seems like you're consistently like you get to be on a roll and you're have you're getting good news after good news. Good things are happening. Your coffee tastes better. <laughs> like right. you feel better about things on bad days. Everything seems to be going wrong. And it absolutely is probably our perception. Like I'm sure that my fucking pocket gets stuck on the door handle on good days as well. And I barely notice it. And on bad days, I'm like, really? And it literally makes you want to murder somebody because you're like, oh, my jacket's Today, on the toilet yeah. when I'm already bawling. Yeah, it's terrible. It certainly seems like that sort of thing happens more on bad days than good yes. days. But the pr- probability, as you were saying before, probably it's the same amount. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but For who sure. knows? Basically, what you can take away from synchronicities, no matter what you believe in, whether you are religious in some way, you practice Buddhism, you're a spiritual person, or even a, a complete atheist, is just to be present. Um, and this helps immensely with anxiety. You know, people like me with severe anxiety disorders, the reason that I experience anxieties is because I'm living in the past or the future. So I'm, whether I'm suffering because I'm thinking of things that I should or shouldn't have done in the past or suffering because I am scared of X, Y, Z taking place in the future, if I were to just live in the now, live in the current moment, those fears would subside because currently I'm talking to my best friend while thousands of lovely people are listening to my voice and things are wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, right. So... If you're present in every moment and you are just being mindful, you will start to notice more and more things around you because that's where your mind's going to be. Like when you were talking about the guy um, earlier, the researcher who uh, he's like, I never experienced coincidences. Mm-hmm. I guarantee he has anxiety. Oh, he's like, I keep to myself. I don't talk to other people. He's like you a have huge anxiety, introvert with anxiety yeah. and maybe even depression where he's just mm-hmm. sort of like, I am just going through the motions and I go to work and then I go home. And I, yeah. yes, I think that too. Anxiety causes you to not be able, physically able to be present in the moment or mm-hmm. mentally or emotionally able to be present in the moment. And when you're not present in the moment, you're not going to notice shit. Right. You're not going to notice that it's 11-11. You're not going to notice, you know, these little things that happen that are significant or right. insignificant because we don't fucking know. But if you can be present, you will start to notice different patterns. You'll notice more and more things around you. If you start noticing like the same numbers over and over again, or you start seeing white butterflies, or you start noticing a particular symbol pop up in your life a lot, just pay attention to your thoughts at that moment. What what were you doing what were you thinking? What were you working on? And just make a note of it, like write it down even and just mm-hmm. see if there are any patterns. Yeah, it's a good idea. Because I th- I think what you said earlier was, what was the thing that he said that coincidences were? Oh, a coincidence is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. So I have written in my notes, and this is just in my own words, but I think it's the exact same thing. Coincidences and synchronicities are a state of mind. Yes. They are personal. That's exactly what he was saying. Like, it is how you are viewing it. Mm -hmm. It is how it is meaningful to you. That is why coincidences are what they are and why they're cool. And also why, like, science can't, couldn't possibly begin. Science and math couldn't possibly begin to explain them. They mean what you want them to mean. Yes. 
A lot of spiritual people refer to these things, these synchronicities, as winks from the universe, like the universe is winking at you. So uh, if you believe in, you know, the law of attraction or manifestation, it's the universe that's winking at you. If you believe in God and angels, it's winks from them. If you believe in science, it's it's luck that's mm-hmm. sort of favoring you. Yes. And uh, but even if you just want to be scientific, if you just want to look at it that way, there is a phenomenon that is measurable and it's called spontaneous synchronization. Okay. Objects with rhythms naturally synchronize. And this has been documented since 1665 when a Dutch physicist named Christian Hugen. He actually had the flu, so he was in bed. Um, He was sick and he was in bed. And he had a pair of new pendulum clocks that were hung side by side on the wall. And he was Uh in bed and he was sick. He just happened to like be focusing on them, ticking back and forth, swinging back and forth. And he happened to notice that the pendulum swung exactly in unison, always lurching towards each other, then away from each other. And he started to theorize that maybe the air pressure caused by each of them was influencing the other and then synchronizing their swings. And then he performed a ton of experiments and did find that things like pendulums and metronomes, even if you started them out not at the same rate, would eventually synchronize. They can become in sync. Yeah. That's very cool. But it's not just rhythms. In 1690, a naturalist named Engelbert Kampfer traveled to Thailand and noticed um, he observed the local fireflies flashing simultaneously. He began his study in the biology of synchronization. So it also happens a lot in biology. And then uh, radio engineers in the 1920s discovered that wiring together electrical generators with different frequencies forced them to vibrate with a common frequency, which then became the principle behind radio communication. It's why we have radio communication, because if you take two things with different frequencies and you try to make them work together, they will be forced to have a common frequency. They will both change their frequency and synchronize with each other. Wow. Okay. And then in 1967, a theoretical biologist, another biologist named Art Winfrey studied the pulsating chirps of crickets and proposed a mathematical, here we go with math, so here's math again, Mm -hmm. model of synchronization. And his equation actually ended up being too difficult to solve until... 1974, when a Japanese physicist named Yoshiki Kuramato discovered how to simplify the math and literally discovered that things with rhythms, including metronomes and heartbeats coupled together, will spontaneously synchronize. You know skin to skin with babies? Yes. If you put the baby next to your chest? Yeah, then your heart start to synchronize. Yes. (gasps) Oh my gosh. So maybe with this, the thing is, this is all science and it's all measurable. And <coughs> right, this is stuff we know to be true. Yeah. Physics, bio- biology, math. Maybe with all of this put together, people are going to stop rolling their eyes at spiritual people who say, you know, like you have to match the vibrations that you want in life. 
Right. That is a real thing. Exerting positive vibes and that leading to positive outcomes. Literally, the science is there that says that this is true, but we we haven't quite figured out the connective tissue yet, but it's there. It's so there. And that vibrations, is so cool. frequency, oscillations, rhythms. We are made out of these things. Like we mm-hmm. have all of these things. We have vibrations. We have a frequency that we put off. We have we have radio waves that we put off. We have uh, we have rhythms in our heartbeat and our pulse and our and our literal metabolic systems. Right. We're made of all these things, and we vibe literally with certain people. We vibe with certain places. So just start paying more attention to it because someday probably not in our lifetime but someday human beings are going to realize that all this woo-woo shit is real Mm -hmm. and it's actually not as like crazy as we think it is it yeah it's not as like i feel like people think of it as like witchcraft paranormal like they just you know you try to stretch it but it actually has very scientific backing yeah Yeah, 100 percent it's just a naturally occurring thing, and yeah. we just mm-hmm. don't know. We don't have the tools to measure it yet. We don't, but I pray that we get there because mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating and it's so cool. just feels like we're all connected. <laughs> it really does. It really does. I'm just and getting not emotional just over here. People to people, you know, like Mm-mm. to the universe completely, like everything feels connected. Yeah. To like, and that's one like theory when it comes to like UFOs and extraterrestrials is that they have figured this shit out. Mm-hmm. They know this already. They're ahead of us. And therefore, when massive amounts of pain are happening on a planet, like the last year, mm-hmm. it affects them too. Yeah. Because they know how the universe works. We're messing them up, guys. They already yeah. know. Any final thoughts on coincidences besides the fact that we love them um that they are so freaking cool okay so carl young i'm down in the portion of my notes that i labeled as not necessary notes but use if you feel like it because i went over the top and i had a section you reminded me earlier when you said like oh i feel like he has really good quotes about these things i found one that i liked that i tucked away when he was talking about he hates or he hated the fact that science was always so like, oh, we can't measure this. We can't do this and this. Mm-hmm. And we're giving you the probability and we're giving you all that we can. But you get to a point where you like, we just can't measure it. And you're not going to be able to grasp these unique and rare events. And he described coincidences as being this chaotic collection of curiosities, rather like those old natural history cabinets that one finds where there is a cheek by jowl with fossils and anatomical (laughs) monsters in bottles, horns of a unicorn, (laughs) and a dried mermaid all put together. And he said, that is how we should look at coincidences, because none of them are ever going to look the same. There is never really going to be the science that we want to categorize them and tell us what they mean and how they should be and this is this and this is that i kind of like his magical view on it of like it's gonna look like a wizard's cabinet that is yeah it's going to be this magical cabinet forever where no two stories look the same we're all viewing them in our own way because again as we keep saying they are meaningful to the individual 
And it is, coincidences are just a cabinet of curiosities, ladies and gentlemen, that we get to read and get goosebumps from and say, what in the hell, all together. And it's feels mystical and very fun. Mm-hmm. But, like you know, it. like I said, there could be a future, uh, a time in the future, probably not in our lifetime, where these things are measurable because yes. we will have a tool, an actual literal hold in your hand tool that measures it. Because the thing is, is like we knew about electricity long before we knew how to measure electricity because right. we didn't have the tool to be able to do it. We knew about uh, electromagnetic frequencies Long right. before we had a tool that was able to measure electromagnetic frequencies, and now I have two EMF readers, like just yeah. like randomly now it's thrown like about our house. Yeah, like that. Now they're just household items. So, yeah. Yes. Eventually, we may be able to have a tool that measures these events, and maybe random number generators are the beginnings of those tools. Maybe that Honestly, is something it seems that's like, like they are work on because this. that is crazy. That definitely shows that our collective focus is doing something and that it just shows that the collective consciousness is Yeah. Here. If you could carry around a random number generator uh your entire day and just have a personal one on you that ran all day and could look at it at the end of the day and find the points of the day where it became non-random mm-hmm. and like measure it up to a time of day and then go back and be like, what was happening at 2 p.m.? start to make those connections. Yeah. Yeah. What was be like, that? oh, well, that was, was when then? this, you know, strange thing happened. Like right. it really, we don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Or In the years to come. volcano, the super volcano at the uh, Yellowstone Park will explode and we'll all be wiped off the face of the earth. And like, then it won't matter. Then it won't matter. No, and I agree. And I hope for that science. Like, again, even if it's not in our lifetime, I hope for that for the future. I more read that quote just to say that I loved Carl's view of just like, okay, well, if you're going to tell me that science can never prove this, then I'm just going to tell you that I have a magical wizard's cabinet of all these people's stories. <laughs> And I think this is a beautiful experience that we all get to have together, and it's connecting us in such a special way. So, again, as you said when you even first started, Carl's the man. He really is. I like him. I like like his style. Me too. That's all the time we have for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening to our show and supporting us in whatever way you support us, whether it's listening, following us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast, donating to our Patreon, rating our show on iTunes, telling your friends, or buying and repping our merch everywhere you go. Um, yes, if you want to join our Patreon and get two bonus episodes a month and a newsletter and discounts on merch and shout-outs on the show, head over to patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. If you want a t-shirt or hoodie, head over to etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. And if you're a patron and you haven't gotten your coupon code, just shoot us a message and we'll give it to you. No problem. You can also like search our posts on the Patreon and you should find it there. But if not, just like send us a message. Um, now, I'm not sure what our episode next week is going to be. We're working, working on, on scheduling <laughs> a guest, hopefully. But I did want to say this. Next month, we are going to be sitting down with Chloe from Stripper Stories Podcast and we are going to talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you, you and me. me. Let's about talk about all the good things, things and the bad things. things. <laughs> me. 
Yes. Let's talk about sex. sex. So if you have any questions about sex, fetishes, strippers, or even sex work, please send them to us at keepitweirdpodcast at gmail.com so we can make sure to have a handful of questions from you guys for her um, for that episode. Today's sign-off is... Um, Carl Young has got it going on. <laughs> Carl I was going to say... No, please come up with something better. That was just on my heart. I was just going to give everyone a challenge to just like uh, spend a few hours of your week just kind of being more mindful and seeing if you can live more in the moment and notice more things around you and and the more you do that I've started you know I I talk about mindfulness a lot on the show but I was saying like pick moments that are um easy for you to do like uh brushing your teeth like instead of like sometimes i i get in a bad habit of like brushing my teeth and also trying to be on tiktok and i have an electric toothbrush i can't even fucking hear what's happening on tiktok i'm like trying to (laughs) and it's like why don't i just brush my teeth in this moment just like live in this moment brushing my teeth washing the dishes is another good one have entertainment yeah washing the dishes is a good moment to do it like just wash the dishes and don't Mm -hmm. sit there and like run through conversations in your head that you're planning on having or that you had in the past or think about a show you're watching like just wash the dishes Mm -hmm. just pay attention and focus on washing the dishes and think about what you're doing and if you start doing that in little moments of your day showering washing the dishes walking to your car stuff like that you'll start to it'll, it'll start to become habit and then you can start incorporating it in more moments of your day and then eventually you'll have more mindfulness and things like this, like interesting, cool little coincidences and synchronicities like these may start popping out of you, like becoming a little bit more obvious to right. you. You'll be able if to it's pick something up on that you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. You may start to notice a whole lot more around you. Yep. And uh, keep it weird. Keep it weird. <laughs> What is happening? I'm listening to the pronunciation of Carl Jung. Oh, I wish you could be know what ad. just went through my soul. I thought we were picking up someone else's conversation and I was about to cry. You ready? Here it comes. Carl mm-hmm. Jung. Yeah, okay. Oh, it is I was young. saying it right. It is Jung. So there's no je. It's just Jung. No, okay. Jung. Um, Thank okay, God. So I know. Of course. You nailed it.